Welcome to a football show Thursday edition here. We are in fact, Zach, we are back, back in studio, Cast Collective here in the heart of Nashville and Music Row. If you want to book the space for a private event, at cast underscore collective on Instagram. Slide up into those DMs. But it is great to be back in our in our actual like home away from home, Zach. He, he's Zach, by the way. I'm, I, I'm Braden. I relish any chance to get out of the house. <laughs> I mean, I love Goodlitzville, don't really have, and I love our house and I love our neighborhood and everything. But I love getting out of the house at this point. Yeah, I realized through the pandemic, and we're going to talk football on a football show, by the way. Uh, I realized through the pandemic that I, I was uh, far more appreciative of an office space environment than I really thought. I, I th- thought I wanted to work from home, and then I started doing it for the last 18 months. And I really enjoy coming to the Cast Collective studio here in the heart of Nashville on Music Row. Again, Cast underscore Collective uh, in, the, in the, uh, the Instagram world there. Our show, a football show, brought to you by Kingston Group, the Kingston Group, buildkg.com is the website, Nashville's locally owned custom home and remodeling firm. If you have any big decisions about your house, you know the drill, folks. We've told you over and over again now. They've been a partner of 440 Sports for two years now almost. Um, there's no reason to make a big decision about yeah. your house, Zach, you know, without talking to the Kingston Group. Got to talk to the Kingston Group. Talk I mean, group. why? it's like saying that, oh, I'm not going to go talk to a doctor if I'm sick. Uh, I know a lot of people that do that. Well, they probably should. It's not smart. Yeah, no. exactly. Uh, make sure you make sure you chime in there as well on the YouTubes and the comments and the the Facebook and the Twitters. You can put all the comments in there. We'll make sure we get to you guys uh, as the show unfolds today. W- there, the SEC meetings took place. Not a whole lot happened, so we'll actually try to explain to you guys later on in the show what actually took place from Destin. Uh, but a lot of time we're going to spend today t- focused on OTAs focused on the offensive line in particular for the Tennessee Titans. Obviously, we will mention Traylon Burks' name because it feels like it's something we have to do. We're contractually obligated, sort of like mentor gate. I hate the fact that we do that with gate, but we're going to talk about all this stuff today on the show, so glad to have you in and make sure you're just, you're tuned into broadwaysportsmedia.com. You got the F Words Pod, all the other great shows from 440 Sports. I think that's all the bills, Zach. You got to go to the YouTube 440 Sports oh, that's right. for sure because you need to be sharing it, you need to be watching it, you need to be commenting, letting us talk to you, you talk to them. So like, you we know, need to like. like. I got people yelling at me off camera here to make sure we're liking things and like everything, subscribe <laughs> to everything, set notifications on, share it, everything that you need to do. There's like th- four things you need to push. Can we get it all, guys? Is it good? We got it all? Okay, good. It's good. We're getting two nods from two different heads, so that's good. Uh, All right, so Titans OTA, let's start there. Uh, We got a chance on Wednesday, the media, to go out and be at Titans practice. It's not all that different from OTAs last week. The same names that weren't there weren't there this week. Uh, Again, I think that's probably going to cost the Titans at least two or three games. Right. I mean, obviously, team team chemistry is at the worst it's ever been. And Mike Vrabel has completely lost the locker room. Uh, Derrick Henry, Jeffrey Simmons, Taylor Lewan this time was not there. Uh, Harold Landry, Nate Davis is still out, and uh, Danico Autry wasn't there as well. So basically, right. again, same, same, some, some of the same. Every, guys. Everybody that was missing last week plus Taylor Lewan. So, do you want to talk OTAs, or do we need to get Burks out of the way first? Let's let's talk OTAs okay, just good. real quick. Real football, Actual real football, football. Okay. because I wanted. To, I, I've come to the conclusion because this morning I, I had a I was in a group chat and they were talking about how people are are really downplaying uh, Chig and not thinking that he's going to be the bigger contributor over Kyle Phillips. And I explained to them, Kyle Phillips is obviously clearing away the best and most prepared rookie so far, right? I mean, from what we've seen at OTAs out of the rookie class, it's probably either him and then McCreary, I would say. But I think that Kyle Phillips has the clearest path to a starting position, a defined role that he Ooh. can focus on in all offseason, hmm. and that uh, he's a far and away the most prepared and best. So I don't, I no, no offense to Chigo Konkwu, who I think will contribute, but I think expecting him to be uh, 2020, no, 20, yeah, 2020 Johnny Smith, where he's getting eight touchdowns, yeah. is probably a little too much of a, a weight Man. to bear for him. That's a lot. Okay, so that's a lot. Let's try to check these off one at a time. I do not think Kyle Phillips has the f- clearest path to a starting spot. Who do you think? I, does? I think Roger McCreary might actually have the the fastest path because that's but that's tied to Caleb Farley's availability. So you're se. you're saying on this show that Caleb Farley sucks? Uh, I don't believe <laughs> those were the words I used. No, Caleb. I I just think McCreary is a starting piece. It's one of those where like I could see him having he plays 16 games and starts three. Yeah, but it depends on what the other team's formation is when they come right. out and and like what you actually see. I, I think Phillips to be a starter like the true number three in the slot. 
I think, again, a lot of that depends on the formation the Titans are going to be running. I could see Chigakonku starting because if they're coming out in 12 personnel. Well, let me me clarify what I mean by starting is technically the guy with the most snaps out of all the rookies on the offense, right? Do you think he's going to play more snaps than uh, Traylon Burks? Well, I'm excluding Traylon Burks. I'm trying to talk about people that are got their slot specific, right? He is slot specific. He's going to play a lot from the slot. And he's going to play more than he's going to see more snaps than Chig. He's going to see more snaps than F. He's probably going to see more snaps than McCreary. I would think that that would be the way to roll. I, I think this is going to be a great debate to track because I think all of them sort of have one foot in the starting lineup, right? And one foot. As, I as think a I think NPF so. Theo Jackson and Malik Willis obviously do not have starting potential without a, barring an injury. I think that's true. And if and if MPF earns his way into the starting lineup, they have much they have a much better offensive line situation than we expected, and we'll talk about that here in a few minutes. I do think that you're right that to say who on this roster does what Kyle Phillips does There's for nobody. this team could he be number one at that? I think that's probably fair. Um, I think McCrary's going to get a lot of snaps the way Molden did last year, but in a different position. Um, and then I think I think Chikakonku is really fascinating as a as a a skill set and what they're going to do with him because they're going to move him all over the place. They're going to use him in the run game. They're going to use him motion. They're going to use him in the passing game. Like I think he's got a chance to be a really versatile and interesting piece, but I agree. He is clearly tight end number two and he's only really a starter if they're in the 12, if they're in 12 well, and then when so you're, I, I guess I, I you've, you've convinced me to come around to what you're saying, which is that outside of Traylon Burks being a starting wide receiver, what Kyle Phillips does for this team. And I listen, when you watch him run drills, like he just runs the drill perfectly. Well, and like he just does yeah. everything exactly the way he's coached to do it, which I know sounds cliche, but like it is, it's true. Well, when you're looking at what Anthony Ferkser got, and I'm not saying when I say this, Chigokonkwu is obviously in my mind better than Anthony Ferkser. Yeah, right, right. But Anthony Ferkser was sort of the de facto pass catching tight end role, and that's pretty much what Chig's going to be, right? Third and eleven, they're going to go Ferkser. Split or, out in the slot yeah. or on the wing or yeah, I, 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 I would agree. And because I mean, Chig obviously has a long way to go in blocking. He's a willing blocker, obviously, but he still has a long yes. way to learn to do that in an NFL game consistently, where he'll see more of the field. And that comes in year two, something like that, in my mind. But Berkser yes. last year, thirty-three percent snap counts. I mean, you think you that's think probably where Phillips will be over thirty-three percent in my mind? I, I think that hmm. everybody, and you saw it come up in the press conference press conference, this idea that Tim Kelly's addition and Chig's addition means more 12 personnel. Will it mean more 12 personnel than last year? Yes. Will that, will it, because 12 personnel has always been the second or oftentimes first personnel grouping for this Tennessee team. Right. It's not going to be some massive shift where, okay, we're running 12 personnel a lot more than any other team in the NFL. I think it's going to be still 11 personnel dominates what this is, yep. which means Kyle Phillips is going over, to see Over Chig, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's fair. I, I think that would be a great thing to track throughout the course of the season right. is, was, excuse me, see, I'm getting clemped here. Uh, which one of these guys, <coughs> excuse me, uh, plays more? I do agree with your basic point, though, that Kyle Phillips, and, and he actually uh, he went up for a pass in team drills, and I think it was Shaheem Carter who was like overreacting to every play. Like clearly these guys know that they're fighting for their lives and their careers. And I, and I have an understanding about, about that, but there was, he kind of got to the ball late and Phillips like was holding his shoulder and like was hurting a little bit. And he walks over to the side and you never know. It's like that first five minutes of a, after yeah. a play where you're like, is this serious? Is it not serious? Is he going inside? Is he not? He came back out a couple plays later and he looked, he was like, I mean, he was holding a shoulder and then he. No inhaler. And no, no inhaler. And then he was back out on the field. He was back out right. in the lineup. And again, more than one occasion. Last week, he had a, 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 like a post, a skinny post route where he caught it and there was nobody within 15 yards of him, Kyle yeah. Phillips. He did the same thing on Wednesday where he caught a really nice pass over the middle, which I don't think people think of. They think more. The, the, the bubble screens and the out routes and the digs right. and the cross formations and the that's the not how this stuff. offense really wants to run. Right. They want to go across the middle. They want to tack in the middle. And, and the he and they threw him the ball a couple times and he made a couple plays. So I think he's I think he's got every piece that they need now. You know, when you mix in Des Fitzpatrick's skill set versus Racy McMath's skill set versus you know the bigger guys, like what what do they need in any in a, in a particular matchup with the defensive scheme? That's that 
could change that. Well, and but. also, you know, Burks will probably play in the slot too. But I think yeah. when you're talking about a team that lacked reliable pass catchers, route runners, hands from that slot position last year with Chester Rogers, with even A.J. Brown coming out of the slot, with Anthony Ferkser coming out of the slot, all yeah. dropping balls or not being and far having the awareness to be far enough down the field to get a first down. Kyle Phillips washes those worries away. And I know I'm putting yeah. a lot on Kyle Phillips, but... It's a lot for, what, a sixth-round pick? Yes, a fifth-round. Fifth-round pick. But but in all honesty, you're talking about the probably one of the better route runners in the class. John Mechie, obviously the best route runner, and I hate that we have to see him twice a year on the Texans team. Uh, but I think that when you're talking about the upgrade of Kyle Phillips over what they had last year... That's gonna and the way that he's attacking OTAs matters. The way he's not messing up matters to how this team has confidence in a rookie to put them on the field. Case in point, Elijah Molden last year. Yeah. Case in point, probably Roger McCreary is gonna see a lot yep. more snaps than usual. As long as he continues this trend, he's gonna see the field more often yes. than not. Yes, and I and I will say Wednesday was sloppy by the, by the pass catchers in general. There were a lot of drop passes, like Des Fitzpatrick. I mean, even in drills, they were kind of sloppy. And I don't know if that was because it was, you know, the temperature. Like, I, I, I just think it was a sloppy day in general for the pass catcher. So I don't think that there was too much to be taken from that. Like, Phillips dropped a pass, and then he comes back, and he does the drill again, and he's fine. So I, I think, it, again, speaking of pass catching, and I don't know why I always think about this, but I see it every time. Hassan Haskins is a great hands yeah. catcher. Like, he catches the football very smoothly, whether it's a – whether it's the running back out, whether it's over the middle, the angle route, like he does not fight it. He's out here with it, and and I'm I'm really impressed with how he catches the football. I'm imp- I'm I'm anxious to see how Haskins, how Raidens, and the, the, I know he's not a technically a rookie. I don't know how well he catches the football. Yeah. Well, I'm getting there. Phillips. <laughs> I'm anxious to see how those guys, their OTAs translate to the pads on. That's what yeah. I'm anxious to see. Does yep. what does Phillips lose when the pads on? What does Haskins lose when the pads on? He's not big. Yeah. Phillips. So I'm anxious anxious to see how long can Traylon Burke stay on the field with the pads on? Extra <laughs> weight on him, that fat ass. Um, but the defense, you know, we want to talk a little bit about the defense. Rashad Weaver, but PV, the defensive tackle that has arms like a pterodactyl. Teron Davenport put out a video of him, and it is true. He looks like a – he's a monster of a man. And it makes me think with that length and that amount of space that he can eat up, he's maybe the UDFA with the best path to making the team, right? I, that's possible. And, and by the way, like Taylor and George have some questions about the offensive line, wide receiver, them signing some stuff. We'll, we'll get to that here coming up in just a second. So we're not ignoring you guys. Um, I, I think – Jaden Peavy, you know, this is a 6'5", 310-pounder. This is a big-time recruit that went to A&M. He's a big-time prospect from a talent perspective. A little surprised that he probably didn't get drafted. Same thing with DeMarvin Leal, who fell down the board. I was a little surprised that both those guys fell where they did. Um, I think he's one of the guys that we talked about on this show, you know, of all the – because I think Swilling, the corner, Trey Swilling, was out there a lot too. And and he looks like a, a, a guy that could get some reps, who I believe is also an undrafted free agent, and out of Georgia Tech, I believe. And I, I thought it was – if you trust Mike Vrabel, Shane Bowen, and this defensive front coaching staff, which I don't know why you wouldn't, right? I think this is a guy that's very interesting. They, they you know, they develop merch, they develop TR Tart, they're develop like Derek Derek Roberson was a nice piece for them as a backup for a little while. They developed Odenahi. Like I, I think that they once they get their hands on somebody, the physical traits have always been there for PV. So I, again, it's OTAs. You got to be careful to not overreact to just sheer size. Because like I look at Rashard Weaver in the same boat, and I go, Oof. I go, oh my, like, oh my God, the length and the range and the arms and the size, and like he and Raidens went head to head a little bit this on Wednesday. That was fun to watch. I, they've got some big bodies in the front seven to work with. It's all about can they mold them into NFL players? And I think I think PB's got a chance. Well, speaking of big bodies, do you want to talk about Traylon Burks? <laughs> I set you up for that one, didn't I? You did. So. I realize that, that that this is a talk show, and we're going to talk about Traylon Burks, and everyone else has talk shows, and they have to talk about Traylon Burks. I think the key as a Titans fan, and what we what do we preach on the show? No empty calories, right? right. <laughs> no pun intended here with Traylon Burks, um, who's just he, he does he does not waste a calorie. He's just eating bags of veggie straws at like eleven thirty p.m. at night. Every that's what I do after my kids go to bed. I. I realize we have to discuss this. I hope that you come to this show to get a different perspective and a more thoughtful conversation around Traylon Burks. This is not a story. 
Like, unless there is a, a, a camp with pads and a game looming and practice that's real, not... Uh, he's also a 21-year-old kid who has been becoming a professional human being for the first time in his entire life. He also has been better every practice we've seen him. This Yesterday, on Wednesday, he was by far the most active. He contributed the most. He participated in every drill. Like... It's just such a non-thing, and I don't like that the national media, just like with MentorGate, like the national media is what's sparking it. I think most people that are standing on the sidelines watching Traylon Burks and watching, like we're all fascinated by him, and we're, we all know that's what you guys want to hear about, but none of us are sitting there going like, oh my God, is he like... Uh, I don't we're think no one... It. That may be true. We're, we're, <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, some of those folks weren't out there on Wednesday. Yeah. Um, we're, we're, we're monitoring it to be able to tell you, like, hey, he didn't do this drill, he did that drill, he went to the facility. Like, we want to be aware of that stuff. I think what's important is the context of all of that. And this is a big dude in college. This is a big dude when they drafted him. He is going to learn how to be a professional. And, it, and if he is missing practice two weeks before the Giants game, then it's a story. And then it's something we have to be concerned about and talk about. So where in the offseason program do you think that there it would be a cause of, for concern about his conditioning. Do you think it's going to be in July? When you show up at camp. Okay. And then even then, it's like, like I, I don't know. I'm 30. Because there should be a little bit concern about what he does away from the facility in his downtime, right? I think that's, if you're, if you're saying that you're concerned about him, then I think you have to sort of say, I'm just concerned with every player then. What do they do outside of the well, facility? But, I'm concerned but didn't about. he have issues uh, in going into his senior year? Sam Pittman's on the record saying that, you know, we had to tell him that going out and hunting wild hogs <laughs> is not going to keep you in shape, and he had to get in shape. Now, he, in the season, he got in shape, right? And you... You even on the show, uh, Fringe Element, Sam Pittman came on and said there was nobody that worked harder, nobody that did this during the season, and then off season comes for this year, and now he's the same issues are popping up. So my question to you is, how far into how far into training camp does it become a non-issue? Because to me, if he comes back to training camp when they because they're what you get they got about a week and a half left of yeah, well, current OTAs. Yeah, and then they don't come back until like late July. Right. right. Mid-July. Mid-July. So by the time they come back, if he's back to square one of what he was in OTAs, that should be a cause for concern in my mind. And what is... And so... Like, I, think, I think it's worth asking yeah. the questions. I don't think it's a concern. Like some players just... Like Jamal Lewis famously just never worked out. Like he's like, right. I can't lift weights. Now, some of that was some other things he was putting in his body, but like whatever. Um, I, like some guys just don't need the grind to be as good as they can be. And, and that's not, I'm not suggesting that's what Traylon Burks right. is. But I think the smart conversation around Burks is it's not a story right now. It could be a story if we are two weeks into camp. Let's, I'm going to go two weeks to, to okay, answer, two answer your question specifically. If we're two weeks into camp and there are 10 practices and three of them he can't finish because he's out of shape, I would argue that's as much on the Titans for getting him prepared what do you need to do to be prepared to be a professional in your first ever camp as an adult? Like, this is a child, in my opinion. He's closer, right. he's closer to the age of my five-year-old daughter than he is to me. It would take me six months to lose 15 pounds. <laughs> Probably not six months. Maybe, like, four months. I'm 39. It would take us six, eight weeks to lose 15 or 20 pounds to be at playing shape. It takes a 21-year-old a day, like a week, to, to lose 10 pounds or 15 pounds. Like, it doesn't take much... If they want him lower, they can get him lower. But he has to so. put in the work. And, sure, and that's that's the big thing with the Tennessee Titans, and we saw this with Isaiah Wilson. They weren't really willing to put in any real extra work to make sure that Isaiah Wilson's not going out and partying. Because, yeah. like, Jerry Jones they put someone on Des, Fitz, or Des um, Bryant when all that stuff went down in a yeah, Walmart parking weird. lot. You know, the, the Titans kind of are like, you sink or swim. If you're going to be, if you want to be a part of this team and you want to be play football, you as an adult so you have to have, have some to do kind of accountability. Accountability. Yeah. So I do think there's a, I think there's a little gray area when you're talking about your first camp so, as a rookie. Well, let me ask you this then. What's wrong? What is Sam Pittman's role in having now two players that come to the Tennessee Titans out of shape? <laughs> Because isn't that a little oh, odd that Sam Pittman, offensive line, for those who don't know, was the offensive line coach for Isaiah Wilson, who Isaiah Wilson had issues. 
You got to be in careful. college. You got to be careful when you're bad mouthing Sam Pittman around Aaron Dugan. Okay. okay? Well, I'm not bad mouthing. I'm not bad mouthing Sam Pittman. I'm asking I think what. It's co- why is there now two players who have documented issues staying in shape and being self-accountable in college now having that same issue I, at the start of OTAs for Titans and now two years going? Again, I don't think first round picks, I, I don't think we have evidence yet that Traylon Burks is not accountable and will be out of shape. Yeah. I think we need to see that actually happen before I accuse him. Of and and I agree. I'm just right. You know, right. Pro, pro, I'm trying to I think t- I say, give you different different ways to attack this topic because definitely different because nobody else is attacking these topics this way (laughs) well and i've got just saying he's fat and i've got another one i've got another one for you too that i think is tied into why this like mushroom clouds into like a bigger conversation than we think it really is i think isaiah wilson is completely coincidental look at the entirety of every player that like look at every player from georgia over the last three or five three to five years that's gone into the pros under kirby smart's leadership and like the vast majority of them are playing yeah because they're really good football players i think isaiah wilson is clearly a one-off they got duped everybody sort of got duped with him and, and i'm strictly talking isaiah wilson a football player isaiah and Traylon right. burks to football player right. being prepared for rookies not that they're even anywhere close to being the same person. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Burks, I think, is a very humble, very focused, hard, hardworking guy, and we're going to see that. I just think we need to give him a chance to show us that before we, like, murder the kid. Like, I just, yeah. I think we're, like, decapitating him after, like, we've seen three days of practice. To me, it's like, it's no day pads. two of training camp is my my limit on saying, okay, there is a concern about Traylon Burks because he at some point you have to be in shape, and now that he is, he's trending, right? He's trending in the right yeah, direction right now. He was already better this but week. But he's he about to week. be on his own. So can yeah. he be – what's it. the level of accountability between the end of OTAs and training camp? That's yep. that's where yep. he's got to prove himself. And, and I think that's the point when we can start to think about reacting. Like, yeah. okay, let's t- let's – there's more here, here. They're there. We need Vrabel to have a comment about this. He can't just sort of like be deflecting and well. And Burks you know. was the king of deflecting yesterday during those uh, the yes, media session. Say, I'm glad that he spoke. I think it did. I think it does reduce the pressure a little bit when the media wants to speak with you, and Ryan Tannehill doesn't do it, or David Poyle and, yeah. and 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 John Hines don't do it. And then all of a sudden, but again, did himself no favors by just not. I agree with that. Answering the questions, and and I think he's just being a good soldier. By the way, I don't think this is Burks being coy. Yeah. This is Burks following the John Robinson, Mike Vrabel script to a T, right? So, yes, I, I totally agree with that. So here's, my, here's another new way to cover this topic that I don't think I've heard yet. And this ties into what Ryan Tannehill said about, about Malik Willis. I think it ties in technically to the Jimbo Fisher thing as well. This is going to be a little bit more Titans-related. But here's my question for you, and that is, do we feel like the t- – because I've heard this from – and I work at, at ESPN, all you know, full transparency, and I've talked to some people in the radio department that – now have a perspective on Titans Twitter. Like, they know that they can say things. And get the clicks. To get the reaction. And, yeah. Good Morning Football knows that they can say things. They, they joke now on, like, I think it's Kyle Brand who's always, like, joking about Titans right. Twitter. Like, my question to you is, this is both a, a good and bad thing. I think it's good in that the Titans fan base has grown and matured and is now angry about stuff. Uh, you're right, matured is. I meant matured <laughs> is a strong word. Mature in number of years. Okay, let's go with that. <laughs> that they've been around and operating in the social media sphere. Um, I think that it, it's a double-edged sword. It's good and bad, but that the national media now knows it can that the Titans are a meaningful topic. Right, right. That they are a meaningful thing. Only if they talk bad about them. But only if they talk <laughs> bad about them. So my question is: Is that a good thing? A good sign? A, a good step for Titans Twitter and fans and the media that we that people are paying a little bit more attention, but only when you guys are acting kind of silly. I, I would rather What's, them just not talk about the Titans. To be honest with you, really? the national stage. I don't watch enough of the national shows to really care what they say anymore. Okay. Because, I mean, at, at some point, they weren't just talking, they were never talking about us, and then they oftentimes, you know, mispronounce players' names, yeah. they yeah. they say stuff that is incorrect, and I, I just, I, I watch those shows for other teams, not for my teams, because I know about my team. And as a fan, most fans know about your team. And yep. if you want to know the specific sins and outs and what true opinions of this team should be, You'd go to your local media. You come to us every 1 p.m. on Mondays and Thursdays right here on the live show. So, and, well, and I do think there is I think there is some value in the national media paying you more attention. I think there's some value in that because eventually when things do go your way, 
they're going to they're, they're more likely to react to that in a positive way and have something to say. Right. So I, I do think there is some value. Now, I think that a lot of Titans Twitter is overreacted to a lot of this stuff. And I actually, I think the local media, especially with mentor stuff, I think the local media did a pretty good job of, of handling it the right way. And I also think the local media has done a pretty good job of handling the Traylon Burke stuff. I think fans are sometimes, you know, they have the freedom to act silly. But I, I think that the national media clearly pays more attention, right? When Tannehill says the mentor thing and it explodes, when Albert Breer feels like he's oh, he's got space to come in and drop some knowledge that he could have dropped months ago and said, these are the things we knew about him back in the day. Like, why is he holding on to that information? Why, why is that something he feels that he can come forward? Well, he's going to get engagement. He's going to get clicks. He's going to get traffic. And that's why he's doing it. And so I think that's interesting when it comes to um, the national media getting involved in the Titans. Finally, it feels like it's happening. So, um, all right. Anything else on, on Burks, RIP, Fat Burks? Uh, I think I think it's I think you're right. I think for the next two weeks it should be kind of a dead topic. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, in my in my mind, you got to wait till training camp happens and let's see what's what's actually rolling here. Um, you know, when you when you're talking about the media and talking about, I, I mean, in all honesty, there there's there's nothing around the story anymore. In in my mind, you you, you no. you're not going to get the answers that you want. You're not going to figure out why what's there Rainbow was a Taylor, why he was out. And yeah, you're just not going to get anything out of this team, yeah. and that leads us right into our next topic. <laughs> Dylan Raiden's in the position of secrets. Man, they are very sensitive about the offensive line. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean... As they should be. As they should but be. But they do... What is... There's no strategy into not getting this done and figured out, right? I mean, I understand maybe not at OTAs it needs to be figured out yep. necessarily, but being coy about what Dylan Raidens is and nobody answering the question. Yesterday, Mike Vrabel finally got it, but the Tim Kelly interview where they're, or not Tim Kelly, the Todd Downing interview where they're asking yep. him, you know, what position he is. Well, he's playing both. We're not going to pigeonhole him. Then someone actually asking, uh, what position do you think he's in that he should be playing? <laughs> and he still didn't answer it. And, I, we got the closest thing from Mike Vrabel yesterday to a confirmation that basically, essentially, he's a right tackle. I mean... Which is great, right? And Yes, I think it's where he should be playing. I think it's what you want to see him develop as. That's how they drafted him, and if that's the position he can play, then that's great. I think it's pretty silly that we that I'm not allowed to say where he's been lined up. Like, right. Mike Vrabel did that for me. I, I think it is safe to assume that they would like to see Dylan Radens and NPF battle for the starting right tackle spot. Right. I think that's a safe assumption that if they both can prove that they can play tackle, that they can battle for that position, and that one of them secures that job, that is best-case scenario for the Titans' offensive line. Yeah. They've got a lot of other bodies that they can rotate through and try at left guard. None of them are going to be as good as Roger Saffold. Let's just be very clear that when Roger Saffold's on the field, he's better. But if you want to talk about... Corey Levine or Daniel Munyer or Aaron Brewer or whatever, we, we can. All those guys have been playing all over the line. Again, we can't, you know, uh, the positional secrecy is very, very strange to me. I don't think it really matters. I, I think it's, I think they're very sensitive about the offensive line. You've got Taylor Lewan, you've got Ben Jones, you've got Nate Davis. Three out of the five are set. The other two are going to be, they got to figure them out. This is what right. camp is for. Like, this is what the offseason and summer is for. Um, Jamarco Jones is mixed into this as well, probably at the at, at, on the outside. They are playing the guys along the line more often, but like again, they're at different positions. I don't think you. I think they've tried that in the past, and I think this is what you're getting at, right? Like, right? Don't. Well, I mean, don't play them everywhere. Find where they're the best and play them there. Well, a right? lot of people are saying, well, there's never been a competition. The, you know, the Titans aren't known for competitions at certain positions. Well, you know, I've seen, I saw that, and I'm thinking, well, every offensive line iteration since uh, Mike Vrabel's first year, because as the first year. From 2017 to 2018, all five starting offensive linemen came back, and they all played. Everything else was a competition. You're talking about right tackle competitions. You're talking about interior right guard position. You're talking about a, last year was another right tackle position. So this idea that they don't have competitions on the offensive line doesn't make any sense. What are they to protecting, me. honestly? Like, what are they trying to? I don't. I, honestly, I don't know what they're trying to accomplish. By, yeah, I, I by don't the think secrecy. there's anything. To, what are they doing? I, I don't get it. I, I don't get what they're trying to accomplish. It's it's maddening. It kind of makes <laughs> them look a little silly, in my opinion. So it, I I don't understand why. 
It's also not a huge deal. It's it's not a huge in, deal, but it is May, a huge June. in May. And but it does. This is what they've done, right? They have done. We've seen them do this and keep doing this. This is not something new. This is something that usually carries right. in all the way through training camp. Oh, competitions in and out. Oh, this person's in with first team this time. This person's in with first team that time. Yep. And uh, they they're going back and forth. Oh, and then he's over here. And it's if you believe that Raidens is a tackle, play him at right tackle day one of training camp and let him keep going, let him get comfortable because that's still him playing at a position that he's not used to. It, but if, it, I, if I was a gambling person, I would guess, which I occasionally am. Yeah, um, I identify as a gambler. Um, I think I think that's what's going to happen. And again, I I think if you're a Titans fan. You want to see MPF and Dylan Radens battle in camp for the right tackle spot, and then one of them to win the job securely. I think that's what's best for the Titans. Now, here I'll, I'll throw you, I'll posit a, a theory on why that they're being secretive about this, and and it's not just the offensive line. Like they're basically saying, hey, you can't talk about anybody that lines up in positions, anything that creates competitive balance, you can't talk about. Which whatever, it's fine. It's their rules. They can do whatever they want. It's OTAs. But here's what I would say: if it doesn't work out, their entire season is tied to the offensive line. Right. The entire season is tied to the offense. Derrick Henry's success, Ryan Tannehill's success, Traylon Burke's success, Robert Wood's success, the Titans' offensive success, their ability to win the division and make a playoff game and win a playoff game is tied to what they decide and what they do on the offensive line. The offensive line is the biggest question on this team, and if they don't figure it out, they're foobar, and that's where I think that's why they're being sensitive about well, it. Well, I also want to talk about this, this thing that got brought up at the press conference. Were you there at the Todd Downing? I was there for all of Shane Bowen. I missed uh, some of Todd down. Okay. I got to drop the kids so, off at daycare. I'm so sorry. at, at the uh, well, let me know next time, and we'll dock your pay. The <laughs> offensive line. Children are more important than Todd Downing. I'm sorry. The, there was a question when they were going through this whole offensive line thing. They were talking. And Todd Downing was talking about competition. Yep. Someone's brought up. Well, Taylor Lewan, Ben Jones, and Nate Davis aren't competing. And I don't know who said that, and it may have been in the form of a question. But I would, what I would, a I would hope. what a ridiculous freaking question! I, I mean, are we really going to compare what Dylan Raidens and these other guys are doing to what Taylor Lewan, who is an All Pro, Nate Davis, who got an All Pro vote, and Ben Jones is one of the best centers in the league? Started like ninety seven yeah. out of ninety eight games. Why the hell would they even be competing anyway? It's not there. They're, there's they're not even there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just don't. I just don't get the idea that this that they should be competing if if Dylan Radins and NPF and Jamarco Jones and all these other guys are competing for starting spots, why isn't everybody competing for starting spots? Which is the most ridiculous fucking thing. It's absurd. <laughs> it is it was an absurd question. <laughs> I think what's funny is the the whole Vrabel Robinson thing where like every job is up for grabs at all times. Yeah. I think that's true in theory, but in practice we know that's yeah. not true. Like you just signed Ben Jones to a two-year extension and brought him back because he's your starting center. I mean, you you're you're in a room with Todd Downing and you have questions you can ask and that's one of your go-to questions. Like this I I don't I yeah, I'm I mean, you. it's almost like a trying to get a gotcha question which was like I'm with you. that was not a gotcha question. Okay. That is just utterly ridiculous stupidity spewing out of someone's mouth. And and again, I watch press conferences like for like the event that it is like I, I study human behavior and the psychology of an answer and a question and the tone and your combative nature. And like, I actually, you don't get a lot of substance and this goes for, this is not a Titans thing. This is like across yeah. all press conferences in that setting. You don't get a lot of really great substantive answers about stuff. You can't spend a lot of time on topics and, and discuss things. Um, they're, rec they're, they're sort of needed. They're a necessary part of the media so that people can write stories and be on deadline and, and finish things. And, and it's all very important. I actually view the press conference as like the event itself. Like I want to see how, and that's the kind of thing that I notice where you go, well, and I noticed this with, with a, an antagonistic question that David Poyle at the Preds press conference where he was like, I thought he gave a bad answer. And it kind of came off as like trying to sell people on something that wasn't sellable when he talked about um, fan, fan apathy for the Preds. And I, I, that's the kind of stuff that I think is interesting. And, and Malik Willis, when his first press conference came up, I wanted to see, well, like body language. Does he look people in the eyes? How does he answer? Is he confident in what he thinks and feels? And does he have the right? Like, it's more about that than the actual substance of the words. And so, again, I, I think they're very sensitive about the offensive line because they know most of their offensive season is tied to what happens at that position. I think their entire season is tied to the offensive line. Like, I'm not, we, we've talked about it. We're not worried about the pass catchers as much as probably outsiders are. So we know that Raidens is a tackle. 
Do you think he's the long-term solution? They're looking at him as the long-term solution for right tackle, or are they looking at NPF? Because I almost think that it's going to be, okay, we're going to get Raiden's a lot of starting reps this year. We're going to let possibly let Lawan go, move Raiden's over to the left, Ooh, and man. NPF over to the right. I think I think Petit Frere has the ta- the raw physical talent to play left tackle. Um, asking, having seen zero games of NPF, not a single training camp of M- with MPF, and having Raiden's playing, what, three games basically last year where he actually got meaningful snaps. He played the entire San Francisco game without playing the year before, right? He sat out the year before he got drafted. I think we need to see a lot more before we can say one of these guys can replace Taylor Lewan. Right. Now, I, I, I do not see the, the heir apparent to Taylor Lewan on the roster currently. Okay. That could change if Dylan Raidens or NPF does what Nate Davis did, right? Where he kind of got through his rookie problems, and then all of a sudden, back half of that season, he was a, he was one of the best guards in football, right? And so I think I just need to see it from one of those guys. They're both. I mean, everybody on an NFL practice field is a physical specimen. Like it's hard to look at a guy. It's not like college when you can go to a practice facility and be like, "Those are walk-ons." Gotcha. <laughs> like you can tell, these two guys, especially Raidens and NPF, they are physically very impressive individuals. The question is, can they handle the, the, the blindside duties? I don't see either one of them being the heir apparent to Taylor Lewan. That could change if one of them has a great season this year. And, there, and this just hit me, and I meant to write it down in my notes, but there was, uh, I heard a spot of Trevor Sim- Sikama. Is it Simica or Sikama? I don't know. Tampa Bay Trey, he oh, works yeah. at uh, PFF. But he talked about Mike Vrabel, and this was on uh, the midday show for uh, 104.5 Bucks show. And he talked about basically, essentially, that at some point, Mike Vrabel's in discussion, in the discussion with Mike Tomlin, that this guy is just going to have a team that's going to try to win every week and going to be a winner more often than not, and that we don't need to be worried about anything. And that, and I, and that's kind of where I'm at with this offensive line. I think at this point... Keith Carter's a pretty trustworthy guy at this point. I almost think it's almost a troll job right now. It's early May. They're a little bored. I think it may be a little bit of a troll job. (laughs) I think when when they intentionally skip a drill with Traylon Burks, I looked at a couple people that were next to me, and I'm like, I I hope they're doing this on purpose. Yeah. yeah. I I, hope the Titans are doing this on purpose just to mess with them. I wouldn't put it past them. So... That's why I I think... if, if If the plan isn't for Raiden's... I, I think the plan is one thing. What it happens to be is a different thing, right? The plan is, I think, is for Reigns and NPF to be your bookend tackles, hopefully in 2023. Your, you think they want to move on from Lawan that quickly? I, I think that they would rather have the money, but that also says yeah. that Raidens and NPF would be ready, right? They hit on both those draft picks, a uh, second-round pick and a third-round pick. They hit on them after busting on Isaiah Wilson, and they feel good enough about those offensive tackles that they could put Raidens and Raiden's over to the left. Yeah. They can in his natural spot. Yeah. And put MPF, who is, in my opinion, a much better right tackle than left tackle, in his natural spot. Yeah. That's the plan. Does that happen? That's debatable. But I think if that's not the plan, they would have you to show have, us a lot. Right. If, this but year. well, what I'm saying is if that's not their plan, then why draft two right tackles? Essentially, because yeah. that's what you're saying. If that's yeah, not right, the plan. so well, I think what you do is you draft right tackles, hoping that they're left tackles. <laughs> you just collect them like cornerbacks. I, mean, I don't think there's anything <laughs> wrong with that. Like if if you're again, I mean I, Isaiah Wilson, Dylan Raiden's NPF. Like yeah. the idea was they all could play left tackle. One of them clearly couldn't do anything. Right. One of them might be your starting right tackle, and if one of them can actually replace Taylor Lewan, then I think you've come out ahead with two two out of three draft picks. So I. I am hesitant to say to put that much pressure on two guys to replace the highest paid offensive tackle when he signed the contract in Taylor Lewan. I think many people, I this is also one of those media problems where I think it's a lot of stupid questions about Taylor Lewan, what he does off the feet, like with his own stuff. I, I think that's super overblown. Like I don't yeah. care. Yeah. Well, it's it's like it's like this. It's old men that are saying it. Right, you know, right. the old men in the media can, that can, can football players not have two things in their heads no, at one they, time? They like, are they not they allowed to do that? They can't have jokes. They can't. They have. <laughs> they have to have this demeanor about them because that's another thing that now Dylan Radins <laughs> is under attack. Oh my god! <laughs> by uh, you know, PK. Oh PK has to pick at least one person every year, every offseason to just berate and attack. I mean, that's there were there was there were stories that PK wrote about. Dylan Radin's um, 
over there getting Gatorade by himself or standing by heater by himself. And now his demeanor at practice, he's not answering questions in a manner that screams that he's a starter and all this stuff, you know. All this petty having a bullshit. Sense, having a sense of humor is yeah. somehow... Uh, it's just, it's ridiculous. Keeps you from blocking people. Okay, so you watched uh, Rashad Weaver. You mentioned uh, Rashad was, Weaver versus Dylan Raidens. That was one of my favorite parts of practice. Was, was now, Did the deme- did the demeanor and the joking really affect his there, play? Well, what he did is he told a couple of dad jokes to Rashad Weaver, and he and then Weaver could not execute his pass rush moves after that. Gotcha. Oh, so well, won, that's, br- that's great. So man. he won the battle through, great through humor and comedy. No, I... There was one time where Burks lined up with Christian Fulton, and like we all like kind of perked up a bit, and I was like, "This is going to be fun," and it was like a draw. <laughs> I was like, "Damn, that was that would have been so good to watch Fulton and Burks go head to head on a pass route." Um, but no, watching Weaver and Raidens, they like it's fun to watch those two guys go together because you iron can sharpens see, iron. You can see the talent, especially with Weaver, how big he is, how rangy he is. I mean, physically, he is every every bit the part of an outside linebacker who could slide in on like third downs, for example, like we talked about last week, a, a Danico Autry type of player. I think he's a little bit more athletic and can play outside, but watching them go head to head is just really—it's just fun because it's just sort of like nerdy football stuff, you know. When they when they do when they do stunts and like Raiden's and and is they're like picking it up well, they're they're handing off guys well in the in the, in the pass rush. Again, no pads, <laughs> like there's not even freaking pads on right now, so it's hard to. It's just fun to watch, man. It's fun to watch when two guys have that kind of talent and they're going head to head, and you think, all right, these guys could both do this. Does does a starters. does an offensive line from left to right? Lawan, Aaron Brewer, Ben Jones, Nate Davis, Dylan Raidens inspire you with confidence because the Tennessee Titans have are now up to around thirteen million dollars in cap space because the Julio Jones trade or the Julio Jones cut and the dead money became official today. A lot of people were, thought it was yesterday, but I guess they don't understand what post. June first means. Um, I saw that all day yesterday. Where's the mo- where's the money? Yeah. So obviously, not people- after June first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So obviously, people want uh, a left guard signed. I'm I'm to the point though. You know, left guard wide receiver. Obviously, Eric Flowers, Will Fuller. We've already talked about right, how right. those guys could change the offense and make the offense better. So we don't need to talk about that. But there is a realistic chance and a realistic possibility. And we see, saw it with tight end last year that they are content with those five as their starting offensive linemen. And I, I'll repeat it again: Lawan Brewer, Ben Jones, Nate Davis, and uh, Dylan Radens. I think if you mix in Munyer, Levine, Jones, and Petit Frere, I think you get though with that. If that's your four sort of rotational backup pieces, let's say. I, I, I feel pretty good about that. Again, especially if if it's clear. Like this is yeah. what this is what I always say about quarterback battles. Like what you want as a fan during a quarterback battle is for it to be so obvious that it's not about like your your coach can just say it's so and so the starter. Right. And, that, and I think what, that's, that's where the, the media is getting a little antsy. And well, and I course, agree, right? Course. You know, like I agree that there should be that it doesn't instill you with much confidence that Raidens can't be named the starter at right tackle, but I also understand that it's OTAs. It's a a delicate balance. I think this is kind of what you're trying to get at, which is that about two weeks into camp, you want to see the same guy lining up at right tackle every time with the first team reps. That's what you want, and because that that and that's what they haven't had in four years now. Exactly, and that's because it's so obvious that that again, whoever it is, who cares who it is, that's so obvious that this player forced their decision making. That this person is the starting right tackle, and then they're done. And I think that's what you want. And I think if if then your then your question is well, because you could have Jones and an MPF and Raidens all battling for that that spot. I don't. I think Jones I would put clearly behind those guys. But then you're going all right. Is Brewer good enough to be your left guard? And I think I think he's shown flashes of being pretty good. It's it's kind of like he's the Dennis Roger Kelly Saffold. thing to me. Like when my hesitation with Dennis Kelly when he, before he took over right tackle because Isaiah Wilson flamed out was can he do it over 16 games? Yeah. Or and now it's 17 games. Can Aaron Brewer at his weight, because he's very slim, yeah. or at least he was. I mean, I, I haven't seen Aaron Brewer and I haven't seen him stand on the scale. Okay. He could have gained weight. Gotta not make Traylon Burks jokes. Yeah. Uh but Aaron can Aaron Brewer last over 17 weeks as a co- competent starting left guard? And I think that's the biggest issue that everybody has is that 
Flowers would be an immediate, immediate upgrade, right? Eric Flowers, yeah, immediate upgrade yeah, over Aaron Brewer. And Aaron Brewer is your main backup, right? He's your main backup for the guard spot, main backup for Ben Jones. Sounds pretty good to me. It's great. And then you obviously have Reigns and NPF fighting it out for right tackle, right? And to me, l- limiting the questions that this team has is the best way to do it. And they have money to do it. But do they want that money for rollover purposes? You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. To know, me, it's a one. If you can get a one year deal for somebody, I would almost sign Eric Flowers to like a two or three year deal because you maybe. know he's going to be good, and then you don't have to worry about it. I, how is he? How old is he? Like twenty nine, six, twenty seven. So the point is, is, he still has clearly right. some years. I, I, I think the rollover is, and you're the resident capologist yeah. on the show, but I think that's a question. I, but if you're telling me I could sign a veteran piece for a year, maybe two. I think there's. I think that now they have the money to do it. I I would be. I don't because I think there's a lot of people that focus on the fantasy positions and AJ Brown's gone and right. receivers. Everybody we're all obsessed with receiver. I do think that the where where I would invest the money is offensive line. I think that's still a much bigger question about what this team's upside is in the regular season. It's, I, well, it's I think more you, to the offensive line. If you're going to invest money in either left guard or one wide receiver, and you're only going to invest money in one left, guard. I'm going left guard. I 100 agree. And brace debate. I will say this that. I, I there is a real possibility that they're going to go in with who they have way into July. You you may not hit, see anything in June. You may wait till July and see who's still out there and get them at a bargain, bring them in. The other possibility is that they do want the rollover because they still have Tannehill high on the books. Oh, you think we're gonna? You think they're gonna spend fifty eight million on him? Well, I'm just saying. I'm saying Tannehill's still gonna be on the books. Lawan's still gonna be on the books. Derrick Henry's technically still on the books. Simmons all at high cap. Simmons, no, new, Simmons deal. new deal. They He's may still, need that thirteen million rolled over. They may feel that they yeah. need that thirteen million because they played ninety one different players last year. I don't think that that's the way to attack it by any means, but that is a real possibility all for right. this team. Let me get you. Let me get you here. here you were you were talking about how like. There are people out there that just trust Vrabel and the Titans way, right. whatever you want to call that. You know, if it if it's Keith Carter developing an offensive lineman, do we 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 trust his ability, right? Yeah, I mean, even even though David Questenberry was really piss poor as a right tackle, when Taylor Lewan went down I in twenty twenty, and they had Tyson Bralo and David Questenberry at left tackle, well, they were great. They were um, they were great for the situation for great. the situation that they yeah. were in, and so, that's because of Keith Carter. So we trust we trust John Robinson in general to build a roster. We trust Mike Vrabel in general to build a culture in a locker room and lead a group of men. Yeah, we trust Keith Carter in general to uh, players generally play their best football after he's worked with them on the offensive line. We trust Vrabel and Bowen to, to develop a front seven collection of players, right? Right. You see where I'm getting at here? Like, at some point, we are just, we, we just have to go, you know what, I trust the process here, not to transition into Saban directly, but like, I just sort of trust the process. And you know who else I trust? Vin Marino. Like, I trust yeah. the capology ability to work contracts and get the money where it needs to be and use the right money at the right time for the right thing. It doesn't mean every move has been perfect. It doesn't mean Jadavian Clowney was a good decision or, you know, you know, giving, you know, drafting Kevin Dodd or who, who was the extension? That, Vic Beasley, right? Famously, Vic Beasley was a bad signing. There, there's some misses in there. But do I trust their ability to manage the cap? Yeah, I do. Just the same way I trust them to develop offensive linemen, front seven players. Well, and, culture, and what blah, I'm blah, saying blah, blah, blah. is, is sometimes maybe managing the cap in their eyes going in the future is having that 13 million, yeah. or at least maybe 10 million, because there'll probably be some injuries and people signed and stuff like that to roll over to the next yeah. season. I want a new piece to help this team win now, but that yes. may not be the plan that they're thinking about, and I trust that, them. Because everybody that. said, oh well, even Jim Wyatt in his mailbag said, well, I expect them to do. This was last off season. I expect them to buy or expect them to sign another tight end. I expect them to bring in a tight end or go out and get a tight end. And they did. And it was all offseason. I kept telling people the season's about to start. <laughs> like <laughs> right, if they, they're not here, no if they're not here in training camp, I don't know if they're gonna do a big, big signing. I agree. Yeah. And I think that the biggest signings that you can do for this team that immediately helps is gonna be Eric Flowers, it's gonna be Will Fuller. May and because Keelan Cole's already gone, I was about to say you could sign him, but he's already gone. Yeah, I was gonna say, uh, you know, they may save that thirteen million dollars and see that they're in the thick of it. And OBJ is looking good in November, and he's still out on the market. They may end up trying to sign him with that thirteen million. I, him and Robert Woods yeah, get to get along really well. I, I trust the, uh, I trust, the, I trust the process here. Yeah, which brings us to uh, unless you got any more things you need to get off your chest about the Titans. No, no, no. Okay. Which brings us to uh, Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher in the SEC meetings down in Destin. And um, I know you've got some questions, and so I'll try to lay out uh, exactly what actually happened, which is 
we don't have a vote on scheduling. I've talked to a so lot. They're of, not going to do a vote at all on uh, the not, scheduling. It's going to happen at some point this um, week. It could be as early as this weekend. It's probably going to happen next week or the week after that. I've talked to a lot of people about this, and what I can tell you is that it's going to end up at nine at some point. Gotcha. It's going to end up at nine games at some point. If that's this season or next season or when Texas and Oklahoma come in, I think even the eight gamers, and again, this is all going to be decided by presidents and and, and ADs, not coaches, because we all know Clark Lee doesn't want nine games. He wants to get to a bowl game. Right. Um, I I think we are at a position where the writing's on the wall. We're going to end up at nine games. How do we make that equitable? How do we make that financially viable? How do we make that balanced? I think that's all coming. What actually happened this week was Greg Sankey told everyone to shut the hell up. <laughs> like all yeah. you, all you children that are my football coaches, stop it, <laughs> stop acting like children in the media. Because um, Jimbo Fisher was like, Phew. he was just shut down the whole time. Uh, Saban said like one thing. He was like, hey, I didn't say anything. Anybody did anything wrong? And then they all kind of shut their mouths. Um, and so I think that was number one. Sankey showed some leadership. They talked a lot about name, image, and likeness. Didn't accomplish a damn thing because nobody has an answer. Uh, well, I will say something an did get accomplished in that uh, basically Jimbo Fisher's already backed down away from Saban <laughs> and and turned it into, oh, well, we actually agree. That was his comments uh, either this we said morning that on, or yesterday, which we said. said. Like, he said he, it in the damn thing. He goes, but, I want a unified yeah. set of regulations and guidelines. I'm and, like, that's all Nick Saban And said. now Jimbo Fisher has, has come back down to earth off his uh, throne of mightiness up there and has said that, well, you know, we're gonna we've moved past it, and uh, not gonna talk about we're, it anymore. we're not gonna, gonna move forward and trying to fix NIL. On to Cincinnati, not gonna talk about. It. So no here's, divisions. Here's the problem. For sure. Yes, we'll, I'll get to that in a second. I just want one more thing on the NIL. Here's the problem: if you hear somebody complaining, coach, media, fan, friend, whatever, says, "Hey, listen, I, we just need unified guidelines and guardrails on name, image, and likeness." Ask them what that means. Right. Because right now, no one has a freaking clue. No one has an answer. Congress doesn't have an answer. The NCAA doesn't have an answer. No one has an answer. I can tell you what like, I think could work, but I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a, a, an NCAA person. I can't give you all the minutia that needs to be put in place. No one has an answer for this. Well, Lane Kiffin no did uh, about May 25th. He was interviewed, and he said it's it's moving towards a salary cap. Yes. Like, that's Saban what it's going to have to be. Saban's kind of alluded to that, too, and I have said that on this show we and have, for yeah. gentlemen as well, which is, you're going to go play in the SEC. You're going to be on scholarship in the SEC as a football player. You're going to get 50 grand a year, period. Like yeah. That's where we're headed because you don't want to be an employee because then you can get fired after like dropping a punt. We don't want that with college athletes. Um, you can be taxed federally. Like We don't want that. There is some protections the amateur model does provide the athletes. So that, that's sort of like they spend a lot of time on that, but there are no answers yet. So just sort of know that's what you need to know about, about NIL. Um, no divisions for the SEC, which I think is great. I think it's awesome. Um, Texas and Oklahoma have been involved in these processes. So when you hear about the scheduling model, know that Texas and Oklahoma have some input legally, very delicately. Um, and then, of course, uh, the pod system is is gone too, which is great because the pod system, I think... I thought the pod system was just a ridiculous... And, and there were people that I've heard on the, ra- the, you know, on the radio and on, on Twitter love the pod idea and don't understand what's going away. It was the most ridiculous was, way to schedule yes. and do do this whole thing. And really the three and six model, which is three permanent opponents and then six rotating, yeah. it sort of kind of is a pod, pod. But it's not because what you're forcing is the three to be the same in the same group. Right. And in this, in the three and six model, it's just what rivalries do we want to protect? Yep. And what new ones do we want to pre- present and create for the, for the league? And so, I, again... If you're, I think all of this is going to happen at the same time. We're going to get Texas and Oklahoma. We're going to get playoff expansion. We're going to get a new nine-game schedule with a three-and-six model, and that's all going to happen in, like, 2025. Like, I think it's all going to happen at some point at the same time. What, what is something that people can expect to come out of these meetings or that may affect maybe this season or next season? Um, not a whole lot, honestly, because they could not – there are no answers on NIL. I think there was some, there was some talk about the transfer portal – and allowing players to transfer inside the SEC because their rules are actually more strict than the rules out in the NCAA. So, like, why would we let our players leave the conference? Like, right. So there's something – like, that could have that could be put into place right away. Um, but otherwise, not a lot. This was dominated by Fisher, Saban, garbage. And like, it was kind just, of a letdown, right? I mean, there's – nothing I mean, so far has really been, like, that thing to come from the SEC meeting where everybody's talking about it. The thing is going to be when they actually do vote on eight or nine games. Yeah. 
And that could happen today. It could happen this weekend. It could happen next Do week. Do you think it's still almost an even split between the teams voting on it? Uh, I would say, so <laughs> if Texas and Oklahoma were legally allowed to vote, I would say no, the nines would have it slightly. Gotcha. I am, because they are not allowed to be voting members yet, because they're not members of the SEC, I think you're right that it's probably still pretty split with the obvious ones. Vanderbilt, South Carolina, Missouri, Kentucky, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Arkansas. I think I got them all. And then the, the ones who've won national titles, right? basically, which is the big the halves, if you want to call them that, which does include Tennessee because they, they, are, they have a bigger budget and win, have won national titles. So I think it's still, the, it's still split. It means they don't have enough votes for nine because otherwise that would have already been announced. Um, I think what they need to do is massage some of the – permanent opponents, massage some of the rules, massage some of the things. To, is to it kind of like a Senate? Like when there's a bill yes. that you need to get yes. passed, you have to go to this senator across the aisle and say, I'm going to give you this if you give me that. I think that's <clears throat> I think that's where they're at. And even, again, even the people who are going to vote for eight games understand that eventually where this is all going is going to be nine games because it's more TV money, it's more inventory, it's better for fans, it's more good games in your conference. Like, it, if you're going to get rid of divisions, you're going to put them all together anyway. Why play eight of them? Why not play nine of them? Yeah, I just, I, I, I don't see any downside to the nine games, to be honest with you. No real downside. Well, I know there are negatives. It's Vandy no not getting downside. a bowl game. It's, it's, it's well, I mean, Missouri, let's, let's be honest. And, you know, they're really not going to ever get a bowl game. I, I, but the coaches and the ADs want what's best for their program, so right. they're going to vote for eight. I think what's going to happen is, like, if you can give Kentucky and Missouri and South Carolina and Vanderbilt maybe, like, quote-unquote, easier permanent opponents maybe or allow them the freedom to schedule differently in those other three games right like if right now you're requiring another p5 opponent on top of nine so you have to play 10 power five opponents maybe you're going okay you don't have to play that 10 like gotcha this is this is your senatorial kind of like yeah they're they're wheeling and dealing right now behind the scenes um i just think there's too much money to be made too many people want it like this and we're all again from all reports all of it's heading towards um nine games and if you want to hear more and a lot more detail uh fringe element podcast out on thursday ralph russo with aaron dugan and myself uh he did all kinds of he went even deeper than this into what happened this week so make sure you check out the show all, all the other shows f words show all that good stuff so you, you got uh Anything you else? got something you need to get oh, off your chest yeah so my my, my four-year-old and I'm, i was so happy um this is about ticketing and ticket prices and fees and i know everybody complains about fees right you buy a tickets and you go oh 25 dollars that's nice and yeah. then you cash out, and you're like, $48? Right. How the fuck did that happen? And you look at it, and you're like, service charge, and handling charge, and venue charge, and you're just looking at all this crap. And I know this is not a new complaint. But my four-year-old, I have two girls, five and four. They have had nothing but princess and, and you know Disney rainbow unicorn parties their entire lives. My four-year-old this April wanted a monster truck party. First time ever, I was like... Hell yes. Yeah. So I went all out. We bought her like 47 monster trucks and like monster truck cakes and monster truck banners hanging over here. And like, just, I was like, yeah. What's your favorite monster truck? Uh, she doesn't have like, she doesn't know like the names of them. Uh, the glow in the dark one is her favorite one right now. Cause that one glows in the dark. Got a remote control monster truck. Like just, uh, you know, monster truck wall to wall. Cause finally it wasn't Disney princesses. Right. Um, and so she's all into it. And I go to buy tickets to the monster jam at Nissan stadium and even like the cheapest tickets, like 20 bucks. So I'm like, okay, this is not bad. 80 bucks for a family of four, you know, not a right. big deal, no big deal. I go to cash out and it was $190 total after everything. And I text my wife and I was like, we got to do this because we want to take her because she's in love with monster trucks. Right. How can we get to the, why are we at the point where it's equally as much money on, in fees? Like I understand fees. I'm not arguing against fees altogether. But why is it equal? Like, yeah, just, it shouldn't be. Equal. Just tell me the. Just say thirty nine dollars for the ticket. Right. Don't say twenty dollars. Say thirty nine dollars for the ticket. It's funny you brought this up because uh, today I was looking at gym memberships and now they're doing service fees on top of gym memberships, which I thought was illegal in the state of Tennessee, but it's a setup fee what? now. So oh, to like kickstart your yeah to kickstart. Oh. So not only am I having to pay a service fee for each of our memberships, our potential memberships, we haven't decided if we're going to choose this place or not, no, but they sure. also. Um, uh, are gonna do uh service fees on? I just don't understand the that whole idea that 
now gyms need service fees to cover whatever cost they got. Now, at least there's like a lot of options for that. Yeah. As a parent of a, of a kid who loves this particular thing right now in her life, like she may never care about monster trucks ever again the rest of her right. life. But like I don't have another option. I, I can't say like if I, I'm either a bad father or I'm getting raked over the coals with fees. Like right. I, those are my two choices. Those are both bad. So I'm going to pay the fees and I'm going to take my kid and make her happy. Yeah. You can at least shop the memberships. Like right. You can go around and use that, hopefully, against somebody and use it to get a better deal. This is the, the idea that we can do this to people. Like, all right, you're going to spend $89 on tickets and $89 on fees. I'm waiting for the grocery so stores stupid. to do like a, a fee, a stocking fee, or something like that. You know, you're going to get your receipt and see that. Eight, eight more cents for every apple. Yeah. Let's, let's not talk about more costs for groceries right now. Let's not. Let's not. Yeah, egg shortage, big thing. Is it, is it well, I know. The, be ready for the wheat shortage too. That's coming, and I don't say that jokingly. Like, uh, obviously, there's lots of worldwide stuff. It's, hey, it's on, good so. if you if you're on a low carb diet or going to go on a low you know carb what? diet. I don't need wheat. Not a bad idea. Yeah. Just cut it out. Yeah. Help, help out the worldwide yeah. global wheat shortage. Which you come to foot you, you when you come to a football show, you get analysis. Health tips. Well, you get analysis on global wheat markets. Yeah, that's what we do here. I asked uh, on the football and other effort show just to plug it. We had Stony Keeley of Sobros Network on, and we talked about Traylon Burks. And I posed a question: If Traylon Burks is out of shape, what does that make the three of us? Yeah, <laughs> and I you could probably include me in that yeah. as well. Again. It would take me six or seven weeks to lose the weight that it could take Traylon Burks a week to lose. Right. Let's just remember, 21-year-olds have a real high metabolism. <laughs> so pour all the gravy on you want, yeah. man, Lebowski. I love it. Uh, all right. Anything else? I think we're good. I think we're good. Cast Collective, of course, is our studio. Great to be back in here. Uh, cast underscore collective on Instagram for any of your you know small events, office party needs, anything you want here. Uh, they'll take care of you. Cast underscore collective on, D, uh, on the DMs there for Instagram. Kingston Group, special thanks to you guys for supporting us each and every episode. Uh, buildkg.com is the website. Make sure you check that out. Broadway Sports Media, F-Words. Subscribe to the YouTube page, please. That's one of the nicest things you could do for us. So go and to the set YouTube set notifications page. and come talk to us. Turn the little bell on. Yep. I know we got a bunch of questions in here. We didn't get a chance to answer some of them. George and Taylor and Stoney, we appreciate all you guys um, uh, watching the show today and hanging out with us. Rate, review, subscribe. It's a podcast as well. So... I think that's it. I think that's good. For Zach, I'm Braden. Thanks for hanging out with us. This has been a football game.